Welcome to Melanated Stamps. I am so glad that you are here. Today's episode, I'm not going to be talking because one of my favorite humans is on this episode. Her name is Terry Harding. We've been friends for forever, but I don't do well with numbers past four, so you have to ask her how long that we've been friends. But um, she is an amazing black woman and mom and wife and new author. And so her book is what we're talking a lot about today. And then also about what, how she feels about being a black woman and a mom and all the things that she's doing. Um, and she definitely drops a whole bunch of nuggets of truth. And I think you are going to love her just, uh, I was going to say as much as I'd like her, but probably not. So you will definitely love, love her. And, and I can't wait for you to meet her. So at the end of the episode, um, please check out um, how to find her and her work and also purchase her book, support authors, support black women, support those of us who are doing the thing out here. So without further ado, here's Terry. Yay. So hello, Terry. Okay. Yes. Hi. Uh, so for this interview, um, this is like my first one of the uh podcast 2.0 such and such and when basically like me talking to my favorite people who do dope ass shit and so this is my first one and her name is terry how long have we been friends terry do you know no it's been forever though we have to count so 2007 what year is this this is 2020 2020 yeah been married 11 years. That's a long time. 11 years? I don't yeah. know. You've been married. 11 years. Um, 11 years. So, but it, I think it was like 2007 since we, we've known each other. Because that's when I started going to church and trying to get my life together. Mm. 2005, 2007. Probably two. I think I went like New Year's of 2007. Like the new year. Um, cause I came back from deployment in 2006. So I think it was 2007. So yeah, we've known each other since 2007. Well, and look at us now. We're like almost fully functioning adults. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. 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 I think you're more fully functioning than me, but uh, okay. I don't know, maybe out of necessity, only necessity. You know, because uh, I have other people to consider. That's probably the only, the only reason. That's true, because I have zero people that I care about. Well, not <laughs> care about. I said that wrong. Uh, but you have to take people. care of and consider. That's what and... I meant to say. Take care yeah. of, care about. Yeah, it's the <laughs> yeah. Take into consideration. Yeah, it's yes. That's Yay. amazing. Oh, I'm my so goodness. excited. Thank you for having me on here. I'm like, oh, this is so professional. And like, <laughs> I'm honored that you would think that I was um, one of your special people and like doing cool stuff. So mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. And Terry only says cool because we have I have a complex and I, I can't go to church over here in China because I'm not going to jail. And so, yes, <laughs> I cuss. But Terry yeah. doesn't. Mm. very rarely and if I do it's yes I anyway yes yeah so, so proud of you mm -hmm. but <laughs> for you. the record I just started cussing three years yes ago. yes and new and I really enjoy it mm -hmm. it's real nice I used to cuss like a sailor it was you really it was really fun Girl, yes, I was in the army for years and even before the army I mean once I got grown out of my mama's house because, you know, I can't be doing that in front of my mom on GP alone. So, um, 
But yeah, I joined the army at 18 and picked it up real quick. And so, yeah. And then when I found Jesus and when, you know, I was like, oh, you can't be cussing like this for real. You can't talk like this. Oh, okay. And then I used the, um, the little rubber band method um, to break myself of such a bad habit. Is this when you pop yourself with the rubber band every time you say mm-hmm. that word? <gasps> yes. And I had welts <laughs> on my wrist. <laughs> welts is for days. And so I was like, oh, yeah, this really does work. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, and look at you now. How long were you in the military yeah. for? Five years. Wow, you're my hero. So that is amazing. Uh, okay. Well, let's begin. Um, so I reached out to you because you posted that you were doing the secret project and you didn't tell nobody. And then all of a sudden you were like, and ta-da, I'm on Amazon by my book. And I was like, <laughs> Well, all right. Sounds like a plan. I wasn't sure, like, if you were going to go back to school or, like, did you adopt a kid or did you, like, I don't know, like, do something insane. And then it was a book. And that is basically <laughs> amazing. And you are on oh. Amazon. Mm-hmm. That's really, <laughs> it's really hot. So can you share a bit about, like, what you wrote about your journey and um, not your journey. We'll do that later. But, like, what the book is all about, why you wrote it, what's in it, why, why oh. this solves a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, for sure, those other two possibilities could have do- totally been it because we do want to adopt and I do want to go back to school. But yeah. neither here nor there. Um, so my book is, um, so you found yourself in the NICU, now what? It's a practical guide for parents who find themselves in the NICU. And um, I wrote it actually um, after a friend ended up in the NICU and she texted me and called me and was asking me for advice. And I sent her this big, long, you know, book of a text message. And I was like, oh, wait, I think I might have something here. And so I went ahead and like wrote it all out and kind of started to format it and figure out what it was that I was trying to say and, and, you know, who I wanted to be in it. And so I, I just started, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to say. Um, and so I pretty much just broke it down to my experience, um, my husband's experience for the male perspective, and then a friend's experience who had twins in the NICU, but also had, um, a family at home that she had to take care of and consider and the balance that that took to still be present at the NICU um, and taking care of kids because that was a whole nother thing that I hadn't experienced because as a first time mom, for me, it was way different than her experience. I wanted to include all of that for everyone um, or, you know, most of everyone. I don't really know. But and so um, it's just my experience of how I made um my time go by while I was in the NICU, uh, while my daughter was in the NICU. Because I got a question. Mm-hmm. I don't know what NICU is. Oh, um, you know what? I forgot. One and Bill has has also told me. My husband has also said, you know, my husband, but people might not. Anyway, um, they were like, it's it's neonatal intensive care unit. He also was like, people, like you, if people, but I'm like, ah, oh, my bad, sorry. It's it's the ICU for the babies. And so for the oh, baby babies. Okay. And I think there's like a PICU, which is like pediatric. So like older kids, not babies. Um, but for the little baby babies that come out and need to be rushed off, they go to the neonatal ICU, um, intensive care unit. And so that's the NICU. And so... Um, yeah, people don't, like, when we went there, we didn't, we weren't given any type of, ma'am, go get them yourself. 
Sorry, my little Nikki baby just walked through the doors asking for pretzels. Um, oh, of course she did. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> um, but um, they don't tell you what to do. They just, like, your baby is there and you have to go home without them. And so you're like, what do you mean I have to go home without them? What am I supposed to do? And so um, I kind of figured out, like, what that looked like for me. And it was a lot of, like... Um, leaning on Jesus, my faith, you know, asking for prayer, accepting help from people, which was really hard. Um, getting to know the nurses, which I felt like was really important for me because they're taking care of my baby. So I want to be as kind to them and befriend them as much as possible and, you know, figure out, um, what it is that they need or what it is that they want to feel special and taken care of. And so, like she was in there for um, like Valentine's Day. Um, what was the other one? The Shamrock. My bad. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Day? Huh? St. Patrick's Day with the Shamrock. Yes. Yes. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> and so like I like brought cupcakes you know I did like little valentine's um things or whatever just to like show them my support and I would just make sure like write them little notes of gratitude because they were taking care of my baby and so um that was a really good time for me to to like get to know them and then when I was at home I just really um one of the nurses had told me to like take care of myself which in mom life translates to like eating and drinking water um and that doesn't sound you know all that important but it was really pivotal because they were like she was like when you you get your daughter she's gonna need all of you so you need to start taking care of yourself and like build yourself up and just make sure that you're in a good place where um so that when she comes home you're ready to rock and roll and so it was just taking care of myself and making sure that I ate three meals a day so I can keep my milk supply up because I was also pumping to like bring her milk and to the hospital and just all that stuff. So that's what I wrote the book about. Just kind of like you're in the NICU now. What? Like here are some things you can do. And then um, from the Mel's perspective, I had them answer the same questions. Like this is what you can do, and this is what's going to look like when you go home, or when you you know you reach those milestones and you get ready to go home. Like this is how you can prepare for that. And so it was from all three perspectives wow so you said that you were not taught these things right or no one how did you get the information to go through this journey so the nurses were helpful did you reach the out nurses um the nurses were really really helpful um i think i got a, a little bit um, I got a little bit more, I, I was able to understand what the expectations were or what was going to happen because with Kobe, we were in the hospital for a couple weeks before we gave birth to her, before I gave birth to her. So I was just in the hospital hanging out. So they were like, you're probably going to end up in the NICU because she's so early. So let's go take you to the NICU so you can see it. Um, and so I was able to kind of prepare myself in that way but other than that like I just asked the nurses because there wasn't like anything it was like oh what are you supposed to do now and there was nothing um and I didn't know anyone I didn't know anyone who had been in the NICU because even my friend with the twins she had her twins I think right either just before or just after no they're older than Kobe I think but like just before and so but I had never like known I didn't really know her story until well after the fact until like Kobe was in the NICU and she's like oh yeah the twins were in the NICU and then she started talking so it's kind of like that's what happens it's like you find yourself in there and then people are like oh yeah we were in there we were in there but there's there's not anything and I think I did try and like find a book on the NICU and there was like nothing and so I was like oh okay then I guess I'll just sit here and do stuff (laughs) so Uh... yeah the nurses were pivotal, for sure. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, how early was your baby, and how long was she in the NICU for? Uh, she came at 28 weeks and like two days, which every day counts in the NICU. So everyone always, if you're asking somebody about the NICU, like they'll always know the exact like weeks and days because those were super awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But she came at 28 weeks, two days, and she was in there for two months. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not, it was long enough for me to like feel the pain and the anxiety and just like want her home um but some people were still there when we left there was I remember when right before we left there was a a baby who was getting ready to get out and he had been in there for a year um (sighs) yes they had been in there for a year and so I mean they like they uh so the nurses were so excited and like they had a whole party and because like they had become that baby's family, you know, I'm sure everyone, because like the nurses like rotate, you know, days and stations and, you know, progressions. And so you don't always get the same baby every single day, but if the baby's there for a year or even in Kobe's case, a couple of months, you get to see that baby more times than not. And so they had the biggest party for that baby. And we were so excited for that baby because they were finally getting ready to leave. And it was just so special to see them and like, like reach that milestone where they could finally like leave. And so, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it was just really sweet to, to see that. Aww. So what is your, what's your dream and your goal for book? Like, what are you hoping like whose hands are you hoping that it gets into? Uh, <laughs> I my my ultimate goal is to have the book in every NICU um, as a, a resource for families um, mm. to just be able to not feel so lost. Like I know it's not the end all be all. You know it it may not be for everyone. Um, but I feel like it's a good starting point for people to be like, okay, like I'm not alone. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't an anomaly. Like this happens to people, you know, this happens to people with uh, families still at home. This happens to dads all the time. Like they still have to try and find the time to balance work and their family in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is just a starting point. And so that's my hope is to get it into the NICUs all across the country, all across the world, just to provide a semblance of a starting point for people. And, you know, they can read it and then take what they want. So that, mm. that's the main goal. Um, do you feel <laughs> like, do you feel like a NICU parent parents differently than a non-NICU parent or has a different perspective on raising a kid? Yes, 100% yes. I can't, I I haven't, I don't have any other kids yet. Um, And I'm praying that future pregnancies, we won't end up in the NICU, but I feel like to like compare like, oh, this kid was in the NICU. I just let them eat garbage, you know, whatever. Or I just, you know, let them crawl on the floor. I was definitely like a helicopter parent, um, mm. especially when she first got home because she'd just been in the NICU for two months. And she, when we brought her home, she was only five pounds or she was finally five pounds. And so that's like where she had to be. She had to have, she had all these checklists where, you know, she had to be able to breathe on her own and eat on her own. She had to weigh a certain amount. She had to be able to like pass the car seat test and like all these different things before we could take her home. So when I got her home, I was like, nah bro nah like you're not gonna touch my baby you know you're just not doing it I'm I had the little signs like don't touch wash your hands I carried I like I baby wore her like in a carrier all the time uh especially when we were out so people couldn't touch her because people are like they don't have any boundaries with babies I don't know why like if anything I feel like babies and old people should be like the two people groups that you care about the most as far as like germs but people are ridiculous sometimes and so (laughs) I definitely um I definitely coddled her and like was at her beck and call we learned in like 
counseling, therapy, marriage, whatever that like, it was okay for the first year. And then as she grew up, you had to start saying no, you had to whatever. But um, I definitely became more grateful and more just even in the hard nights, I was like, thank you, Jesus, that she's here that, you know, I can get up now and at three o'clock in the morning and it's not just me pumping in a dark room, but it's actually her that I'm having a feed. And I just became very um, excited about um, being a mom, being a parent. And so even though she would wake up at the middle, in the middle of the night, it was like, made me happy. And so I just, I feel like as a NICU parent, we are just so thankful. And so everything is like a blessing. Like we find the blessing in everything, even the fact that like, you know, she can pour her own drink of water. She's brushing her teeth. You know, she's, you know, whatever, or just the, the mile, the milestones become bigger because she's had to reach so many just for us to bring her home. And so everything um, celebration. <laughs> wow, Kobe, that's so great. Yes. Oh, that makes me so happy. So other things with um parenting, because I'm not a parent. The only thing, like, I impregnate myself with, like, cookies. That's all I got. <laughs> like, I whine when I have menstrual cramps as though I was giving birth. And... Yeah, that's not my life at all. It's totally not. So, like, what are some of your that's thoughts? Okay. What? I said, and that's okay. That's you not know your what? thing. It totally like, is. Mm-hmm. It's totally okay. I love that. Like, <laughs> I love that. Yes. So, um, Have you all just had to be a parent? Like, let's start there. So, like, before, before being a mom and then, yeah, that whole process. Look, I'm looking for my cookies right now. I can't find them. (laughs) Yes, I've always wanted to be a mom. I've always wanted to be a mom. Yes, I've, I don't know, maybe it was like watching, you know, the Brady Bunch or probably the Brady Bunch. I'm not even going to lie. It's probably the Brady Bunch. And, and, um, but I don't know. I've always just wanted to be a mom. I felt like that was just such a really cool thing as far as like all of the things that they got to do. And I mean, I realized now that was TV and there's no freaking way that that could ever really happen in real life without totally killing yourself. I mean, never sleeping. Um, but <laughs> like, there's just no Indeed. way that you're like, I mean, and if I think it, when I think about it, I'm like, Carol had freaking Alice. Alice was doing everything. That's how she was able to like take care of everything. She had a freaking maid. Like that should have been like red flag number one. Like this ain't real life. And so. um, What do you mean? (laughs) Not for me. It's not uh, for some people. It might be, but not for me. But I did. I've always wanted to be a mom. And um and so, yeah, and I don't know, I've always wanted to be a mom, and I just wanted to to have, I want to be the type of mom where people, where, like, their kids call them when they're in trouble and say, mom, can you come pick me up? And, like, there's no judgment, and so there's no, you know, like, and then I'll be like, yes, like, right away, you know? And so I'm trying to cultivate that noun with Kobe. Um, I don't always when you know I don't always succeed but Mm -hmm. when she can tell me you hurt my feelings and we can sit down and talk about it you know I feel like okay we're doing something right or when she we do affirmations and she tells me she looks me in my eyes and she says you're the best mom that I've ever like that I could ever have and I'm like oh my gosh and then she's like don't cry like it's okay because I'm like, my daughter just told me I'm the best mom ever, you know, or like, I'm the best invention. She told me that, like, I think she was two or three. And I was like, oh, I put it on Facebook so that it would come back, you know, because it was just so perfect. I'm like, I'm the best invention. Like, she thinks I'm the best invention. And so I'm like, yes, like, I am doing something right. And so (laughs) I'm really just trying to, like, let her be who she's going to be. She's so different than me, but like. I'm just trying to like steward her gifts and make sure that like she 
has everything she needs to be successful. And not that my mom didn't do that, but I think she just did it in a different way. Like my mom did the best that she could with what she had. And so I just want to do the best that I can with what we have because we, we are in totally different like spaces and the way that I grew up and the way that like where I'm at and able to like help Kobe grow up. And yeah, yeah like and even the smallest things, like Kobe had light up shoes mm-hmm. and I'm like, I would have loved to have light up shoes mm-hmm. or whatever when I was a kid. And like, it just wasn't an option. And so the fact that like, we are blessed enough to be able to afford like light up shoes for my four year old who thinks they're the best thing ever mm-hmm. and wants to show everybody is like, okay, like we can do this differently and that's okay. And so. Yeah. I'm a little yeah. jealous of her shoes. I would love <laughs> Right. <laughs> Those would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have, like, what's your value system with parenting? Like, what are your non-negotiables and what are your, like, what are the things that you definitely do or try to do, try to avoid? Oh, wow. Um, That's a great question. I think my non-negotiables, one of them is not leaving her with no, just anybody. Mm. Like, I can't do that. I'm sure it has a lot to do with past trauma um, mm-hmm. that I have endured. But because of that, I'm like, nope, nope, mm-hmm. nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. I am not going to just leave her with anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm, I'm not doing that. So that's definitely, I mean, people, I don't know, that's non-negotiable for me. I ain't just leaving my baby nowhere. So, or with nobody. So, um, but I also think that, making sure that she expresses herself and communicates, uses her words. We've told her that since she was not even able to speak. I We never, like, baby talked her. We always spoke to her in words and sentences because we figured everybody else was going to do enough baby talk. Um, and so we just want her to be able to use her words and express what it is that she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I want her to know Jesus. I want her to know Jesus for herself. Um, so I'm cultivating that. I wouldn't say it's a non-negotiable, but right now, you know, like we do make sure that she says her prayers and that she understands why she's praying and, um, and she's very grateful and content with what she has and, you know, why those things are good characteristics to have. Um, and so just like planting those seeds of who Jesus is. Um, is really important to us uh, because we know as her parents, like she's our answered prayer is really what it is. And so um, she just is. And so we just want to, like, we know that like he has gifted her in such huge ways to go and like show people his goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we want her to be aware of that. Like her life is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, those are, I would think. I love it. So, um, ah, that's great. Now let's talk about you. Um, you're married too. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's a whole thing. That's the other thing that I have like literally no experience in whatsoever. <laughs> I have zero, like, the longest relationship I've been in, I think it was 10 days. I'm pretty sure after 10 days, I was like, I'm going to, I can't, I can't. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it's just, <laughs> hey, there's something wrong with that. I mean, it's you know, fun. days are great. There's so many times where people are like, uh, you know, year three and they're like, yeah, this is not going to work, but I've already known after one month but I still stayed and it's like what that doesn't make any sense so like did you know I know like this is shocking did you know that if you are married there is going to be someone in your house talking and it's not you all you know this uh yes uh yes and for I yes I, I was gonna say unfortunately they never stop. Um, Bill is the talker of the two. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's Kobe. So I never have silence. Like silence is a precious commodity in my household. Because yeah. um, even if they're not talking to me, they're talking to each other. Kobe talks to her stuffed animals. Bill's always on the phone. Like there's always some sort of other being talking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Unfor- yes. <laughs> That's great. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> like, like, if I, there was one thing I had to decide when I went on a date. Oh, he didn't ask me for my opinion. Like, he just assumed that, like, I thought the same way as him. And I was like, is this really the time in this restaurant for me to cuss him out over, like, french fries? But, like, Mm. Yeah, like, I told, like, I have to dip my french fries, and he put the french fry, he put the ketchup on the french fries, and I was about to light him on fire. I was like, this is not the way. <laughs> this is not the way. And that's when I realized that perhaps this lifestyle is not for me. <laughs> so let's talk about your journey, because, like, my life is just not yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. It, I mean, marriages work, and I don't think mm-hmm. people realize that. I mean, I think they are starting to realize that now, and so that's why they just either choose not to, or, you know, they get a divorce, or whatever, but I think, um, I mean, going, I was super, like, I'm romantic, but only a smidge, and so I was like, oh, this is gonna be great, you know, whatever, whatever, and it just, it, it has been, but I'm like, dang, you gotta work at it. Like, I have to work on like not hurting his feelings and like taking his feelings into consideration. And it's like, I'm one of those people that are like, "Mm, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's my apology. (laughs) It's always been my apology. That doesn't work when you're married. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, I'm still like, we're still working on that process of like, that's not an acceptable apology for someone who's in a committed relationship because you're always like hurting their feelings and so I'm I'm still working like current present day still working on um on learning how to apologize correctly or learning how to like to where like um he feels heard and understood and loved and I'm like oh okay so yeah there's literally this, I, in, in this podcast right now, and I had to take a break because it's too much, but um, I am obsessed with podcasts. Have you listened to the new Brene Brown podcast? No, but I've heard great things about oh, it. my gosh. Like, I'm really not interested in listening to white women right now because I just cannot, but this one and this other one, game changer. And the episode that I'm listening on, to is how to apologize and so I just feel like perhaps yes I need that I need to go listen to that because that is that is the one hill that I will probably I don't want to say die on but like it is the one thing that like even therapy has not changed it and so I'm like (laughs) I have to like sit down and like really figure out how to do this because I mean I've just never I, I don't know I I think it's because it's something that I probably have never learned the right way to apologize ever yeah. and so that's way longer than we've been married and so like trying to relearn that mm-hmm. is difficult and it so, really yeah. is. nothing's ever my fault so I just don't understand <laughs> like it sounds like it's a personal problem like that's that's kind of where I'm at Right? I mean, it might be my fault, but it's like your reaction is your responsibility. So, like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, okay, sorry. And so, yeah, it's anyway, yeah, I have to work on it. So, I will definitely look that podcast up. Because... I'm going to text it to you because it, it's a game changer. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, please okay. do. <laughs> yes. So, marriage, apologies, grow, like, communicate, like, yes. So, all the things. Um, yes. How do you feel like marriage is different now than in other generations or other decades? Like, or do you feel as though it's like the same? Um, I would. What you've heard from other people? 
I think it's different. I don't have the, the I was gonna say the sad thing about my family is that there's not very many people married in my family. So I never really had an example of what marriage looked like. Hmm. Um, so I don't even have like a personal um, example to like compare it to. I just have like what society, what, you know, the entity of marriage has looked like from, you know, years ago, pop culture, mm-hmm. not pop culture, but you know what I'm saying? Like leave it to beaver type decade or whatever. Like that's mm-hmm. what I have. Um so yeah. Um but yeah, I think it has changed a lot. Uh just I feel like it's more of a partnership. Um it's not like I mean I watched which is interesting all my when it comes to marriage, all of my examples are TV, pretty much. So I had like the Brady Bunch and then I had like Family Matters, which I love, the Cosby show, which I love. Don't whatever. I was gonna say don't cancel me, but whatever. Like I still love the Cosby show. And then, like, but on the other hand, I had, like, married with children. So, like, it was, like, the way extreme of, like, the the housewife stayed, like, you know, Peggy was a housewife. And then she just, she didn't even take care of the house. <laughs> she was just there spending money. Um, but then, you know, you had the Cosby's where, like, both people worked, both parents worked. and But I still feel like, I, I feel like now it's more the Cosby's than it is like Married with Children or even The Brady Bunch because most, I feel like most people who are married both have jobs. You know, they're both, they have their goals. They they want to do what they want to do. And so they're able to kind of combine them uh, into the life that they want. And so. Aw, that's cute. That's so, <laughs> that's so adorable. Yes. How has, like, do you ever think about, like, if you would have stayed single and you are your age now, what your life would have been like? No, but it it's interesting to think about. I always think about if I never joined the army, what my life would have been like, mm-hmm. because I think that was the pivot point for me, but... If I was single, I would I would be an expat like you. I would be in somebody other somebody else's other country, living my best life, probably on a beach half naked, like just not caring about nothing because because I could be. Like for real. Like you are who I would be if I was <laughs> You might maybe not in China, but you know, your other countries and just living passport full of stamps. Yes. That's that would be yes. Mm-hmm. You are who I would be. For oh, real, for I'm real. Like, not even plain. <laughs> not every, even plain. Because every day I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is happening? That's I wake up every day, like, is this real? Please tell me this this is all a dream. And then I go out and I'm like, there's still more damn Chinese words on these buildings that I can't reach it. That's my day. (laughs) It's real fun. But yeah, um, I'm honored. Thank you. (laughs) It's amazing. Because I often thought about, so I grew up in true love weights culture and I'm not going to go deep into that because like I'm still processing. But like, when I met you, um, you were about to start dating or had started dating Bill, William Bill. And, um, like, I was, at that point, I was like, I think I might be able to do, like, what they're doing. Perhaps. Yeah. And then I decided to, like, I don't know, go to grad school or whatever I was doing. I don't even remember anymore. And so, like, our paths, like, went completely opposite. And and I've, like, you know, stalked you a bit, and we've stayed in contact over the years. And I think that if, like, I had opportunities at that time, kind of, to get married many, many years ago, and I chose not to, 
And I think mm-hmm. that if I would have gotten married, I would have had your life and you would have and you would have been me if you didn't. Like, it's amazing how like such a small but really big decision can like take paths and you just go in opposite directions. It's amazing to me. Anyway, um, so what are some of like your like when you talk to other married people in your circle? Um, like, what do you guys talk about? Or do you, do you value those conversations um, with married people? I do. I, we don't, we don't talk about, I can't say, we don't talk about any, much of anything. I feel like that's outside of what anybody else would talk about if they're on a double date or if they're with their friends or whatever. Um, the, the people, I feel like if we were, to get down nitty gritty, like we need to go talk to somebody. There's only a few people who are married that we would go do that with. And so mm. like to like really discuss, like the fact that I'm still have an issue apologizing, like we would go talk to an older married couple, a couple that we, mm. you know, admire, whatever, whatever, but it, it that's for them. And that's like, we wouldn't take that issue to other married couples, if that makes sense. So there's like, I, I guess it's the same way with, like, friends. It's, like, these friends you do certain things with, these friends you do certain things with. So, like, that's kind of what we do, what how we do it with married couples. It's, like, oh, yeah, like, we hang out with them. We, you know, mm-hmm. have dinners. We do game nights, whatever. Um, share recipes, go on vacations. I don't ever ask for advice. Um uh pertaining to like sex or anything like that uh I'm trying to be a grown-up and just say it but I am very prudish I've been prudish before I was saved I never talked about anything and I when I was in the army I had tons of fun um and still never shared anything and so (laughs) so uh we don't we don't do that with any any friends any married friends or not like we just so some people do some people are like oh we're having this issue where you know whatever do you have but no we don't I don't I don't do it so mm-hmm. but it's just kind of we just talk about life and we do sometimes talk about like pretty much I think we just try and encourage other married people to stay married and like do the work if you need to do the work like whatever that looks like for you um you need to do the work if if you want to stay married like just remember that it's it's work but it's worth it if this is what you want and so that's kind of what we end up doing and mm-hmm. just hanging out doing life letting people know that we're there and if they need something like we're there mm-hmm. so. oh that's cute do you have friends that are single yes I do um and I love them dearly um I do. Um, do I have any here? Um, I don't know that I have any here in Miami that are single. Um, but I have a couple, a nice little handful of single friends and I love them. Um, I cherish them. Um, they're, I think they all have um yeah I don't know I was gonna say I think they all have watched Kobe at some point (laughs) for me so they are my trusted trusted but and I think that that's also uh, why they're such good friends because I trusted them enough with Kobe and they've taken such good care of her and so that was like okay like I love you and I know you love my daughter and so I know that like we can actually maintain this friendship um because a lot of times um when you have a single friend they don't understand mom life um and so they they get kind of like uh you know which is fine this not their path they ain't got time for it they don't have time to like be scheduled on my calendar because I have all this stuff going on um but yeah and so yeah I do have some and I love them and I'm so excited for all the stuff they do and all the stuff they get to do. Cause I'm like, dang, like, ooh, 
Um, it is definitely one of, not envy, because I love my life, but it's just like, man, so nice. I'm like, just enjoy it. Like, just continue to enjoy it. Like, whatever it is, if you want to be married, you're not married yet, it don't matter. Like, just enjoy the season that you're in. Um, and so that's just what I try and 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 encourage them with like enjoy it because it might change it might not you know you may want something different you may not but enjoy it but yeah I do have single friends and they're fabulous they're so fabulous (laughs) I remember when I first walked into my therapist's office and I was like these are the three things that I need help with because I don't have any ideas and I, 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 I just can't and I was like I think I want to be married but I don't know how to do that. Like I'm having struggles. And I was like, I'm a highly driven person and I just don't understand. And immediately my therapist was like, well, if you say that you're highly driven and that you always get what you want, and if you're not married now, it's probably because you don't want to be. And I was like, and this is why I pay you your whole mortgage every month. This is the reason why, because you say stuff like this. And I was liberated. Like, it was amazing. And I was like, you're right. I don't want it because I don't have it. But yeah, it was amazing. And so yeah. I went forward. I was like, hmm, well, let me go ahead and live my best life being single because this is great. So eat my little- mm-hmm. it's amazing. And yeah. I Yes. Okay. Well, we'll talk about therapy in a minute because it's a game changer. Um. So we have a bombshell because like we didn't tell anybody about the very important detail about your husband. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know how to. I don't know. To, <laughs> My husband is a white man. Yes, what? he is. <laughs> um. I am so excited that. Um. That. He is my husband. Um, I, since I was 10, I told my mom I was going to marry a white man. Um, I've always been, I don't know, infatuated, intrigued. Like, I don't know, probably because they're a little different than me, a lot different. And so, I don't know, just opposites attract or whatever. I've always been attracted to white men. Um, Yes. And so, which is very interesting and I'm learning that that's okay and I'm also learning that like I can still be pro-black and be married to a white person oh like my white husband like I don't have to choose which for for a lot a lot of years I felt very ashamed that like I was married to my husband and I wasn't as black as Girl, I gave you the thumbs up. Yes, please leave now and thank you. Hey, Kobe. She's Hashtag mom life. I love it. Go get them. Get the stool and get them. You know where they are. Uh, mm. Mom life. I can't believe your mom sometimes. Um. <laughs> it's just, it brings me such joy. Okay, go ahead. So shame being married to a white guy. It's been been hard. I mean, um, because it's like, you know, there's, I'm sure they are still there. I just learned to not listen to them about the whole, like, you can't be pro-black and be married to a white person or be married to another person of a different race. I'm like, no, that's not true. Like, I'm still black, for one. Like, just because I'm married to him doesn't mean that, that, like, oh, now I'm white, like, yeah okay like that ever works like that it just doesn't it doesn't work that way and so um but yeah I'm I'm excited to be where we are um I'm excited to navigate this world with him and continue to learn from him and he continue to learn from from me and so yeah wow um that's amazing. Can you talk a bit before, like we started the podcast about like relationships that how how do you navigate relationships with white people and your husband and you and black friends and your husband and you? Like, how does that dynamic work? Um, I I mean it's it's hard because 
I feel like so the I think the the interesting thing is I grew up in California and my husband grew up in Maine. And so country Maine, no stoplight, no stop sign. I think he said he grew up with one black person and she ended up uh, being gifted. So she like left that school that he was in or whatever to go to like the gifted school. So he was, it was like a semester or a year or something. But um, so there's still a lot of people that he talks to from Maine and other places that just don't quite get it or just don't understand or they'll say something and then he quickly like gets them together, um, which is quite nice. Um, and I usually let him fight those battles. I like I'm like, this is what you need to know. Like I pretty much like have educated him. We're still educating him. We're still I am still my friends are. He goes to you all the time. He values your opinion deeply. Like he's not just saying this because you're my friend like it's legit. Like he totally values your opinion. There's other black women that he goes to. to. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, my timer went off. Mm. That's what she was telling me. Um, and so she, uh, but yeah, so there's, there's still groups of people that he talks to um, that are black that he, you know, bounces ideas off of talks whatever thoughts um I don't necessarily I feel like I have my own I don't know where they are currently I have my own set of white friends that I go to that are trusted that I know like I can talk to you about xyz mm. so I don't really need his friends I feel like I already had my set of friends I grew up in California where there was everybody so if I need to hash something out I usually go to them because I've known them for years and years and years and I don't have to, you know, I don't even have to, I don't know. I don't, I don't engage in the stupidity that is social media, like arguments, politics, whatever it is. I just don't engage in it because I don't have time. I don't, I don't, I would rather spend my time doing something else, but he is different than me and he likes people to think and you know, get the, stir the pot. He loves stirring the pot, like just for discussion's sake and just to like open up the eyes of people of like what's going on about anything, like anything. Um, He's challenged me a lot to like think about things differently because we're different and just in general with everything. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Um, Which is a good balance, but I don't engage and he does. I feel like my friends are way more accepting of him than his friends are of me in the sense that like, a lot, I feel like a lot of them have posted things that they don't realize have affected me, but because it's never affected them, they're like, this can't be true. Whereas my friends would realize that like these things affect people all the time. And so like, they just don't post. I mean, I'm sure they, I know that they still post crazy stuff about stuff, you know, but mm-hmm. I feel like they take into consideration. So they're, I think they're way more accepting of him than they, than vice versa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Ah, such joy. <clears throat> um, what are your thoughts about being a black woman Like now in the past, like what are like what are the there was a Chinese person that asked me this. They she was like, So I heard that black women are like amazing. Can you tell me why? And I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I have been thinking about this question for like weeks now. So like, what are your thoughts about being Black woman, 2020, like getting you up to this point. And then we're going to transition that into therapy. So that's like the direction that we're at. <laughs> then we're done. Um, I think. Uh, hmm. It's hard for sure. But 
I absolutely, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I feel like as I'm getting older, I'm just more appreciative of like who I am. I'm beginning to see, um, who I am, what I've done, what I've done in dis- in spite of X, Y, Z, the, you know, highly traumatic life that I've lived, um, didn't realize it was trauma until I started therapy. And I'm like, oh, that's not normal. <laughs> like, um, really? Oh, okay. And so I think, uh, I'm just in a place of like, awe and wonder and I'm always inspired and I'm just like yes like we are amazing like we legit are black girl magic like for real for real like it's a thing you know and I'm I'm just I'm excited um I I'm excited because I feel like even with everything we're still breaking down walls we're still breaking down barriers we're still achieving great and fantastic things yeah um and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited. It, yes, it's hard. And I just, I find my peace in other ways, you know, like, but I'm excited. And I'm like, yes, like, this is who I am. And I'm, I'm taking the time to, like, figure that out, learn more, to figure out what it is that I want to accomplish, what it is that I want out of this life. And so... It's, it's pretty cool being a black woman, I think. Ain't it though? <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. Ah, that's amazing. All right, well, we about done. No, we're not. We still got to talk about therapy. So, like, yes, it is. What is it? Minority Mental Health Month. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I know for me, therapy's a game changer. And it got to the point where, like, my small group in Denver with all these white ladies, they were like, you need therapy. Like, this is not Bible study anymore. Like, you need a therapy. And I was like, I'm I, I'm good. I'm good. And then I decided, I was like, let me just go see what these white people be talking about with this therapy. And then I tried it, and I was like, oh, oh, got it, friend. Game changer. Mm-hmm. I yes. True. <laughs> yes, and I. Mm-hmm. So I like, highly encourage. Yes. Therapy. It's it's just so good. What were you gonna say? Yeah. So like, what what you don't have to tell like all the details, but like when what was like your moment to be like, okay, I'm gonna go to therapy, and then did you have like issue beforehand of like you were anti-therapy like was it not a value or like what what was that process like for you um I think the moment I went to I said I needed to go to therapy was right after we left Oregon um I had a job uh where I got to go into the rural areas of Oregon and and um just show all the other little black girls and boys who were there um, all their opportunities that they had. Like most of them ended up in Oregon because they were adopted. Uh, And so they ended up in rural Oregon and they were like, no one looked like them. And so I was able to go in and just encourage them and um, just say like, Hey, this is out there for you. Like you're in the middle of nowhere, but you can still do X, Y, Z. But during that time, I had a coworker who um, was a black male, and um, he reminded me a lot of my brother. But he would always trigger me; like I would always get triggered by him. Like I like he would say something or do something a certain way, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" Like black, like almost blackout to the point of like I would just shut down, and I'm like, "That's not normal." Like I shouldn't be triggered by everything he says. Like I need to go to therapy. Um, and it just never happened um, at that point. And even before that, I think there was, um, before we went to Oregon, I was like, I need to go to therapy for other things, grief, um, just not being able to talk and communicate uh, my thoughts in the way that I wanted to. And, um, and then I, and so, yeah. And so I just finally, um, when we moved to Miami for Mother's Day, I, I told him we moved here in January uh, 2019. 
two, almost, almost a year and a half ago. So like, whatever. But at the in, beginning of the year, I said, I want to go to therapy as my new year's resolution. Um, but I didn't get it started until May. And that was for my, my mother's day gift last year. I said, I want to go to therapy and my husband made it happen. And our church, uh, was so kind and got that process started. Um, they have like a care ministry, um, that they have and they're like you know if you need anything whatever and I was like I need counseling you know like I need a therapist um and they set it up they paid for my sessions or whatever um to get started um and so yeah I think I feel like they carried me for like a year almost on like their sessions um and so yeah so I was just very grateful and thankful and that's I started and I haven't stopped like and even when I've been like there was a couple months where I'm like okay because I started working and I got this job and Bill was like you need to go to therapy you need to call your therapist and I was like no I'm okay and then finally like he was like no really like you need to call and I was like okay because it had been a couple months and Mm. and she was and so I was like oh wow I didn't realize that like this was affecting me the way that it was but yeah, I just love therapy. I, I, I'm like, yes, I, I do the work. That's the thing. It's like, you can go to therapy, but if, you know, she gives you stuff to do and you don't do it, or he, you know, gives you stuff to do and mm-hmm. you don't do it, then you're just wasting your time. So it's definitely a commitment to like, do the work and like, sit there in your feelings and, and figure stuff out. And it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of work. I'm usually exhausted for days after the fact, because we're digging deep into the trauma um I do have my therapist specializes in trauma and so that's what I I that's what I asked for and so that's the therapist that I have um there's therapists for everything you know and so um but I wanted one because I I want to be healed and whole and made free and so I was like I I want it all and it's going to take years to fix because I'm I am broken. Everyone's broken, but like this stuff goes deep. And so I need somebody to help me dig it out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. oh, I'm so proud of you. Uh, black, like black people going to therapy is like top three of my favorite things. And so, yeah, yeah it's like black people traveling, black people therapy, black people buying real estate. I think those are my favorite three. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah. And I get so <laughs> jealous when people are like, I went to therapy for free. Like, oh my God. If, if I had free sessions, I would go every day and be like, you know what? I don't really have nothing to say, but it's free. So I'm going to sit on your couch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, I was so grateful because I'm like, we didn't at the time I wasn't working like we were barely making it but I'm like I need this like and so I asked my church for help which I was so grateful that they even had that option because I've been in a lot of churches and it it was never an option before we got here and so I'm to pray through bad things that happen in your life because God's gonna heal you you just pray about it but no friend (laughs) it's therapy dear Mm -hmm. yes Good. I'm so glad. Uh, okay. Well, it's been uh, some time. And so you baby yes. girl. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell everybody like how to find your book? Where are you on the internet? How oh, can you wow. And then also like, do you have like a soap, like your last minute thoughts, soapbox thing that you, or the thing that you point, point your finger and you're like, y'all need to listen to this one last thing. <laughs> is like this is your moment do you have okay. one okay um wow okay so I'm Terry Bell 85 on Instagram um and on Twitter I'm not really on Twitter that much but I'm on Twitter as well Terry Hardy on Facebook um you can find my book on Amazon it's only on Amazon there is a Kindle version um so you found yourself in the NICU now what or you can just type in Terry Hardy that's the easiest thing um yeah on Amazon and um, 
I do have a blog, hisloveisreal.wordpress.com. Um, and yeah, I think that's every that's everything. I don't have a website yet for the book, um, but it's coming, so stay tuned. <laughs> and I think um, the one thing I would say is something that I'm still learning, but it's it's just to love yourself, like mm-hmm. to figure it out, to know that you're worth it. Um, and to love yourself, whatever that means, like take care of yourself because at the end of the day, people don't care. People do not care. And so, um, just finding whatever it is that brings you joy and, and, and brings you life and freedom, like whatever that is, do it because it's especially now during these Rona times, like we need, we need to take care of ourselves. And so, yeah, and I'm excited because I love myself and I haven't always been able to say that. And so thank you, therapy, because Yay. I love myself. I like myself. I like spending time with myself. Like I, yes, for the first time ever, I feel like I have the big head of like, I know who I am. I'm confident in who I am. And I love that. And so, yeah, just love yourself. Oh my gosh. I can't deal. Thank you, Terry Harding. You're literally the coolest. Oh. Oh. Emotion and tears. This is great. Thank you so much. I love you very much. And I'm so very proud of you. Thank you. And I am (laughs) I I am always in awe and amazed. And I, I am amazed by you, like, legit. Like, you are one of the friends. There's only a couple that, like, I brag about all the time, and you are one of them. <laughs> like, so, yeah. I, I I don't know what to say. Like, I just, there are days when I'm, I, most of the time, when I'm, like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Like, how how did this go about? And then, like, people tell me this, and I'm, like, well, maybe there's something good. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Hey. All right. Let me push. Uh, don't you just love Terry? I love her so much. And I'm so glad that you were able to spend time with us to hear her heart and soul and mind about all the things. Um, please support her work. Uh, her book is out and it's available for purchase and so you can definitely support her in that way also follow her on instagram follow her on facebook um and see what she's doing on my website melanatedstamps.com m-e-l-a-n-a-t-e-d stamps s-t-a-m-p-s.com you can find amazing pictures of her family and also uh this podcast episode so you can share it with your people And lastly, you can find the link for her Amazon in order to purchase her book. So buy her book, support Black authors, support Black women, do your part in order to make our dreams come true because it is time for us to be great. Um, As always, follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram to all the things and join us next time for our next episode. Bye-bye.